Are you ready? It's time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. You heard it. It is time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gray, here with my co-host, Tom Abbey. Hello, everyone. Welcome on a warm and wonderful Wednesday evening in western New York. All, All the alliterations aside. <laughs> uh, fun show tonight, right, Tom? Absolutely. Give us the rundown. We're going to review a little UFC 264. That was fun, huh? Yes. Touch on NBA playoffs. Talk about the Open Championship. Talk yeah. about our fantasy tight ends. Is it the 10. Open Championship or is it the British Open? It's the Open Championship. I know there was a debate this week. It's the Open Championship. Yeah, the, yeah the, anybody that's uh, from Europe refers to it as the Open Championship. Phil referred to it as the British Open, and people started uh, questioning whether or not it should be the British Open or the Open Championship. Just a little, a little well, note. When I was a younger lad, they called it the British Open on TV. That's oh, what yeah. they called it all the time, so that's kind of what it is. But we've evolved into knowing that the reason they call the U.S. Open the U.S. Open is because there already was an Open Championship. Evolution, baby. Yeah. Um, yes, the Open Championship. And then Fantasy Tight End Top 10 Rankings. We're going to preview both the American Athletic Conference, which is fun and may have FBS playoff implications this year. and the Potentially. N- potentially. And then the NFC North preview, which is a train wreck and would be fun to talk about. The NFC North is very interesting this year. Very intriguing. In a lot to, to go over with some of those teams. I wonder if they want to trade in Green Bay. Xavier Howard, a couple first-round <laughs> picks for Aaron Rodgers. Well, you'd have you'd probably have to do two on Xavier Howard. Yeah, and we'll throw in a first-round pick. We take Aaron Rodgers back. Yeah. I mean, I don't want that trade to happen. I can get down with that life. I don't need Aaron Rodgers in my division. <laughs> right. Sounds intriguing, right? Aaron Rodgers is, well, we'll get to it. All right. <laughs> so let's talk the UFC 264. Obviously, the big fight, main event. Connor, Dustin Poirier. Right, let's 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 not lead off with the main event. For you lead off with the you, the headline. Let's build a little suspense. A little. They already know. I know. Everybody, they already know. Everybody knows. They know. So Connor McGregor <laughs> broke his ankle. In a in a really his weird. And, and uh, yeah. His entire lower leg. <laughs> yeah, just smashed. Um, really anticlimactic end. Uh, what what shaped up is a really nice fight to start. They were going at it. Also, I saw a video today about uh, this is how Dustin Poirier cheated to win the fight. Connor had the guillotine locked in. And they, climbed the fence with his feet. Yeah, he, used it, he stuck his toes in the fence yeah. and used it to create leverage to... to uh, yeah. get out of the guillotine. I don't know how deep the guillotine is. It's not exactly known as, as Conor McGregor's, you know, forte. It's not what he does best. Yeah. But it was it looked pretty deep. Looked nasty. And as soon as he got the leverage with his toes in the fence, he was able to create enough separation and space there and pop his head out. You usually hear the refs telling them, you know, get your toes out of the fence. You're you're allowed to touch the fence but not grip and that and the grip doesn't is not limited to fingers right and the big thing is the official has an opportunity to make a decision as to whether it was a fight altering moment yeah so they can say you know 
point deducted or yeah. we're going to change positions here or you know they have a lot of options in that situation herb dean's the best in the business so you can't blame him for that it, it happens wow. it was quick it you know you can definitely blame him there's no one else to blame but you can understand why he didn't say anything in a fight that magnitude. Sure, and and it happened quickly too. It yeah. wasn't it wasn't like it was an extended period of time. It's not like he did it repeatedly. That's you know that's what usually leads to some sort of penalty. And Connor's uh, Connor's ring crew, their ringside guys, were on it immediately. Yeah, they're yelling about it. Um, you know, I, I definitely see that. But come on, so Poirier dominated the round from that point forth uh, until Connor was able to get to his feet. He threw a punch, missed, took an awkward step back, and broke his lower leg. So it was really uh, it was unfortunate, <laughs> you know, really unfortunate that it ended that way. Poirier tried to claim that the the leg was broken from a checked kick earlier. Yeah. I didn't see a checked kick. I didn't see anything obvious. He kicked him right before that. There's a video Joe Rogan posted it of him kicking with that leg. It doesn't look like it's checked, but it looks like he hit him like on the knee. Yeah. But then he throws a punch off of it without it being a problem and then he goes a step backwards and it's a problem so uh, i mean six in one and a half does another who cares yeah you know the result was not anything amazing that he did you know? right um yeah it, it's a shame that it ended that way because i think uh mcgregor was certainly motivated and uh came into the fight you know looking strong so um and pardon the interruption folks but <laughs> when a man's six-year-old daughter calls you answer so, anyways, as we were saying, Conor McGregor, and he, he looked totally motivated. looked like it was going to be a great fight. Yeah. It, it's just sad that it didn't get to go further. Yeah, he definitely had a better game plan, was coming out aggressive. Um, it looked like he wanted to take it to him on the feet. Poirier uh, got clipped a couple of times, which is why he went to the grappling and almost ended up costing him when uh, Conor got the guillotine. It looked like it might be over, and, it, you know, uh Immediately, Dana White had even has even said, "Yes, Dustin's going to get to fight the champ now." But these two have definitely have unfinished business. It'll, we'll probably run her back, no doubt. Um, and now, again, as we move on to talk about the rest of the card here, Gilbert Burns, great performance, right? He's so good. He just does what he does. Of course, he he didn't get the the win that he wanted, the finish, the yeah. the explo But Stephen Thompson is the most difficult fighter defensively to deal with. In MMA, in my opinion, his his skill set makes it so hard to attack him. And Burns just kind of played it a little conservative. Yeah. And then he did what he had to do to win that fight. He deserved to win that fight, and he shouldn't be booed for it. He, I know. I, I thought it. it was a good performance. So yeah. I mean, he looked great. He, you know, he's not the flashiest of fighter. I think sometimes when you go to these these big events, uh, some people just expect every fight to be a banger. And that's not how all of them are. Some of them are strategic. Some of them are, you know, about control. Yeah. It, you can appreciate fights differently, you know. You knew what you were going to get out of Tai Tuavasa and Greg Hardy, right? You were going to get guys throwing yeah. bombs at each other. And we did. That's not what you're going to get in Burns against Thompson, and you need to know that going into it and appreciate it as an MMA fan. Yeah. Uh, Tuavasa, how much fun was that? The guy's a blast. Uh, first of all, the punch that knocked Hardy out was insane. It was weird, right? Yeah. Like, to have that, he's at a weird angle. Hardy's almost, like, facing away from him. It wasn't, like, a stone, solid, straight it left a hand. Looping it was hook. a looping hook from the side, and his wrist kind of buckled when it hit. Like, yeah. it didn't look like 
a lot of knockout punches look, but that's because these guys carry so much power. They don't have to be picture perfect to, to knock a guy out. And he folded a huge man to the ground. He did. And then did about four shoeies on the way out. And, uh, you know, the best part about Tai Tuivasa, or Tai Shuivasa, Shuivasa, if you will. I'm into it. His, uh, his, his fun... You know, carefree, like having a riot kind of yeah. attitude, man. Who doesn't want to see this guy succeed? Yeah, we we had a bunch of people over watching it as a big group, and he came out, and they're showing all these women dancing in the crowd, and we're like, what the hell is he coming out to? That ever? So we had to like get everyone to quiet down so we could turn it up and hear that he's coming out to Spice Girls, yeah, and like just dancing his way to the cage. Uh, he's just a, a very fun, unique fighter. That, you know, if you're going to be fun and you're going to knock people out, you're going to make money in this industry. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, it, you know, a lot of guys take this as, you know, this is business, this is business, sure. business-like attitude. Who are the guys who climb to the top of these cards and get the most buys? It's the people that are entertaining. Yes. You have to combine the entertainment with the performance in the ring. So yeah, if you want to have the, the big, the, the, the big checks, against the yeah. ring, yeah. I was literally thinking about wrestling while I was talking about yeah. that. So yeah, if you want to have the big checks and the big sponsor deals, you have to have a personality. Um, when you look at the people around who that have these these deals with sponsors, you know they're not necessarily the best fighters all the time. They're they're people with personality that people invest in emotionally. So. Yeah, and how about uh, the green-haired zombie, Chris Moutinho? <laughs> I've never Moutinho, seen it. Moutinho, I don't know how he says it for sure, but... I've never seen anything like it in my life. That I mean, he took so much damage <laughs> and kept moving forward. O'Malley was spot-on, sharp, landing everything. And there were moments throughout the fight where you were concerned. This guy just kept coming forward. Yeah. During the fight, I made the comment, I said... Uh, we don't need a man like this in our life, <laughs> which is a quote from Rocky Two, yeah. where uh, you know Apollo's trainer is saying, "We don't want to. You hit him, and you hit him, yeah. and he just kept coming." No, it, it it was insane. And then the fact that he was in at training, he was back at the gym training, uh, teaching, two days later. Do I on Monday? Though do I do I really want to make a comparison between Chris Matino and uh, Rocky Balboa? Uh, I think it's fair. I think with that fight, the way he just, you know, he took everything he had. Um, the Cinderella story from out of nowhere. <laughs> Is it possible that Motino just, you know, continues to build off this, builds <laughs> momentum, and becomes the champion of the world, and we look at that like Rocky won? I mean, he has to hit back some more. But I mean, one of the things that would be interesting, I mean, I definitely want to see him fight again. I, I think Me if too. anything else, not everyone is as precise and nasty as Sugar Shane. So, uh, Sugar Sean. Yeah. yeah. So let me let me see somebody else, right? Like, uh, who's he going to fight next? Let me see that fight and see yeah. how it looks against somebody who's maybe not as crisp of a striker. I know. Is he going to walk through guys and uh, get dominant wins against guys who aren't? I mean, Sean O'Malley might be the best fighter in his weight class, right? Right. By the way, I don't know who, what this was about. I saw a TikTok from Sean O'Malley the other day. Oh, boy. And it said, uh, fight Sean O'Malley on 11 days' notice? Yeah, sure. Um, but it's got to be at 145. And he's like, who do you think that was? And apparently somebody, a, a bigger name fighter, had said that uh, they would take the fight with O'Malley, but only if he went to 145 because they didn't want to fight him at 135. So I'm interested to try and figure out what he – it was a little bit of a cryptic message yeah. on, on TikTok. So 
I'll uh, I'm gonna try to follow up on that and see if we can get some more details next week. But I'm interested. Me too. Eleven days, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it have been. It's 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 tough. It's another reason to like him for that performance against O'Malley. Like, yeah, just jumped at it. Yeah. NBA playoffs, Tom. Uh, Suns Bucks. Suns lead two to one now. Giannis, could this be the Giannis breakout series, Tom? Uh, I mean, breakout. The guy's been MVP twice. But MVP <laughs> in the regular season is different than championship winning. Sure. 40, 40 points per game. I think I saw, I heard Bill Simmons talking about this the other day. I think they were saying that there's just a select few guys who have had uh, points, rebounds, assists over like 48 in the NBA Finals. Um, multiple times, mm-hmm. I, I think it it's only, it's a select list like Shaq, Michael Jordan, LeBron. Um, it's it's a very short list of guys that are that are doing what he's doing, and his performances have been spectacular. You know, coming off that injury, you thought this season was over for him when he when he went down in the Hawks game, and now he's been he's been stellar so far. So. Can he do enough himself without getting contribution, major contributions from the role players on that Bucks squad to win the NBA championship? That's the question. So Chris Middleton, I think, needs to step up and, and, and play some great basketball here if they're going to win this series because I still think the Suns are a deeper team right now. Yeah. Deeper, and they, they seem to be playing very well. It's, um, you know, uh, did, did Milwaukee give their best shot and – in game three, and can they repeat it? Um, yeah. I think becomes the, the topic of tonight's game. Well, and Booker struggled badly in game three. Yes. And, and that was a big factor in the Bucks winning that game. This game was down to six late in the third, and it looked like the Suns might be making their run to, to try yeah. and overtake this game. And uh, the Bucks pulled away. I mean, they, they had a nice run and pulled away from, from the Suns, and it was never close in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, tonight's game is going to say a lot. Uh, they're just underway now. It's it's only nine seventeen here in the East Coast, so that they will have just tipped off here in the last right. couple of minutes. Um, it's gonna. It, I can't wait to see the outcome. I, I played the over tonight because I think that Booker's gonna have a better game, and uh, I think that'll make a, a a major impact on on the final score. All right, let's talk the Open Championship, Kev. Royal St. George's, and everybody. And their brother is on Jordan Spieth this week, right? A lot of people love him. The The betting favorite right now is John Rahm at plus 800. Then there's a whole bevy of guys that you can choose from in the plus, plus 1,500 to plus 2,200 range. Yeah. So there, there are a number of people that uh, that you can look at there. That, you know, Shoffley, Spieth, Johnson – um, the, you know, McElroy, all of those guys in there, right? Another name that I've heard a ton this week is Robert McIntyre. Um, you know, there, there, there are so many intriguing names that you can go with this week. Do you have anyone, based on, on what you've seen so far, that is your standout, this is my pick, I'll die on that hill kind of guy this week? Not that I would die on the hill. So one of the things that makes this one interesting and kind of, uh, tough is the winners at this course. We were just talking about it before. It was, oh, man, uh, Ben Curtis, right? Ben Curtis in 2003, Darren Clark in Darren 2011. Clark. That's the one I couldn't remember. So, I mean, when you have those those guys who seemingly come from the middle of the pack um, to win, 
multiple times in a row here. It, it really opens up everything, which makes it more fun to bet, but also more difficult to pinpoint somebody. A lot of these guys haven't played this course. A lot of the younger players, I should say, haven't really even played this course or seen it. Um, one of the things is uh, they're talking about Rory McIlroy. His numbers are, are up from what you normally would get. You know, you can get him at like plus 2,200, like you're saying, which normally for a, a, a major, he, you know, you're only getting plus 12 for him. So yeah, you can get really good value for, for Rory right now. Um, a couple people are talking about Patrick Reed being a good value at plus 4,000. I don't mind that, although I'm not a big believer in him overcoming in Europe. I don't think he's got a big following yeah over there for his shenanigans during Ryder cup and whatnot so um and then bryson DeChambeau, plus 3500 hits bombs yeah and, and not getting a lot of love here right that, right that, it's it's pretty interesting to see that uh he's not getting a lot of love for a guy who's you know in the in the top five in the world um it's very interesting to me that he's he's got that long of odds Here's a guy that a lot of people have been talking about, and here's the pick that I'm going to make for this week as my pick to win. Uh, all of my other picks are going to be top 10 finishers, uh, but my pick to win is Louis Oosthuizen at plus 3,300. I think he's playing some of the best golf of his life right now. He's had success at the Open Championship. He is such a solid ball striker that it will not imp the wind will not impact him nearly as much. Um, I, I think that his... Uh, his short game has been impeccable. Uh, this is a guy who is putting in the last, I think, six or seven weeks is leading the PGA Tour in putting statistics. I, I love Louis Oosthuizen at plus 3,300 to win the tournament this week. Yeah, I, I like it. It's, it's a very interesting tournament. I can't wait to watch a little bit of it um, here and there because, you know, the schedule does not work for me. <laughs> yeah. Getting up early to go to work right when they're teeing off. Not right. a lot of fun. Um, but there's so many um, interesting storylines with some of these guys. Uh, you were talking about um, Sergio Garcia and how he's uh, very good at the Open Championship at getting into the top 10, if nothing else, right? Yeah. What was the number? In, in his 23 starts in the Open Championship, he's finished in the top 10 10 times. Yeah, so you know, almost half the time he's going to be in that top 10. Including a top 10 at Royal St. George's last time. Um, other guys that played well in the last time they were there, Dustin Johnson and Phil Mickelson tied for second. Yeah. Um, so, you know, some guys with experience that you can go after. Obviously, Phil winning a major already this year. Dustin Johnson, obviously, always competitive. Um, it, it, this course is fun, and it makes it anybody's ball game, which is kind of It, it really does. Fun. You can see somebody coming from out of the clouds at this event. That's what happened. Ben Curtis Weather. was ranked number 396 in the world when he won the <laughs> Open Championship. And weather often plays it. Like a lot of times, you see guys get screwed just by their draw. They play in the afternoon on Thursday, in the morning on Friday, and the weather's horrible. drastically different between <laughs> yeah. the two times. Horrible yeah. for their two times, and great for the others. Um, so it's a lot of fun with that. Um, so I'm going to give you a couple of top ten plays, Tom. Yeah. Um, first, I I'm going to give you Ricky Fowler to finish in the top ten at plus six fifty. That's my boy. This is a guy that you rode early in the season through his rough streak, right? I like him. He, he's going to – he's playing much better golf now. And Royal St. George's is uh, open. It, it's There's not a lot of big trouble uh, left and right. So with a softer course this week, um, and I think that Fowler is straightening out some of his putting issues that he was having. 
So for me, Fowler at plus 650 to finish top 10. His performances in majors has historically been very strong. Uh, he finds a way to get into that top 10. So to me, that's a really good play is, is uh, Ricky Fowler plus 650 uh, to get in the top 10. Another top 10 play for me. And, you know, this, this is a guy that, that a lot of people have, have been, uh, you know, big on this year so far. Um, and, you know, as I take a look at it, you know, Lee Westwood's had a great season, right? Mm-hmm. And could this be his last hurrah uh, in a major championship as he gets a little bit older? He understands that he's from England. Uh, this guy plays Lynx golf a lot. He's plus 450 to finish in the top 10. And I think that Westwood will find a way to make his way into that top 10 or be in the conversation on Sunday. So give me plus 450 on Lee Westwood. He's he's surprised with his performance this year, and then a lot of people liked what he's done. But for me, I, I think that this venue fits him well. I think that he is confident in his game right now. I think that his, some of his driving woes that he had um, at times earlier this year will be okay in this venue. Mm-hmm. And I think that his experience is going to – again, you had an experienced guy in Darren Clark in his late 40s win in 2011. Yeah. So now you've got an experienced guy in Lee Westwood who's never won a major, same story as Darren Clark had. This is this is an opportunity for him, and I think Westwood's a great play here. A lot of people are on it, but I, I like Lee Westwood. Plus 450 to finish in the top 10. All right. Yeah, I think mine, I'm going to stick with DeChambeau to win. I think that at, uh, he, it's down to 3,200 now. But plus 3,200 for him is, is really good. Um, if he can putt well, it's a little interesting with the new caddy, but I think, if anything, it, it should serve as uh, fresh eyes. Um, and I like that they he and his caddy uh, talked about it this week. Yeah, there's no issue, it seems to be. Just like he, a, a change. His caddy was ready to move on. He was... Uh, he had been working on creating this uh, transportation service in Oregon. Um, it was kind of what his dream was. And th- they just kind of reached the point where it was it was too much for him anymore. He wanted to go home and, and stop traveling as a caddy. So yeah. uh, I don't think that it's not it, – there could take some time to develop that continuity between him and his new caddy. But, you know, at some point, this guy is so analytical that the caddy may not play a major role in, in what he determines on each shot anyway. Yeah. And uh, for my, my top 10s, I'm going to go with two. Um, Ian Poulter at plus 600. I mean, this is a guy who plays very well overseas here where he feels at home. The yep. crowd's going to be pulling for him if he's in the contention. No doubt. So give me Ian Poulter at plus 600. And then I'm going a little further down and give me Max Homa at plus 1,200. Played very well last weekend. Yeah. Um, Going with a little recency performance, you know, and yes. he's, he's had a lot of ups and downs this season. His ups have been way up. He's played very well at times this year. So, um, you know, I don't I don't hate it. Yeah. Plus twelve hundred is a really good for for finishing the top ten. There. Right. Like, you can backdoor your way into the top ten, too. You know, <laughs> yeah, you get, you get some people slide on Sunday. Yeah. Um, let's talk tight ends. OK. And then we'll, we'll get to the break here. OK. Little oh, fantasy football tight ends. This is an interesting group this year. Yes. And I think that when I was putting my list together today, I was pretty sure that I'm going to have some names in here that Tom won't. And uh, probably, you know, uh, at the top, you've got three guys, in my opinion. And I bet that we've got the same three guys at the top. In the same, not, maybe not in the not same, in the same order, order, but, but the same yeah, three yeah, guys. I think it goes at, well at the top of the order. So but. let's start there then. 
right at the top. And, yeah, and let's just... do it backwards because okay. the top's so obvious this time. Yeah. I have number one, I have Travis Kelsey. Same. I think it's it goes without saying. He's out of these three that's up here, huge upside, huge part of the offense, best quarterback in football, and he's just so consistent. Right. Like the consistency. Uh, two is where I have Darren Waller. Yeah, and I went with George Kittle here, and, yep. and there was there was conversation in my mind about it. Um, yeah. Do I want to flip-flop these guys or not? Uh, I think that, you know, George Kittle, when he is on, can be number one. He's damn scary. The question mark for me was about the quarterback, surrounding the quarterback position, yep. and I think that that's why you probably jumped Darren Waller up. Um, the other thing, though, to me is that uh, I don't love the outside weapons in, in uh, Las Vegas. So they got John Brown now. Yeah, right. Just kidding. So, uh, you know that there's going to be a lot of focus on Darren Waller. Sure. The same thing's going to happen in in yeah. most of these environments, you know, except Kansas City, because you can't focus on because Hill will right. say goodbye. Yeah, I, the reason for Waller over Kittle here, because I do have Kittle at three. Um, the quarterback, like you said, I, I don't know what's going on there. I'm not a big Jimmy G fan. I know you're not either. And then uh, Trey Lance is the other guy. It's going to be a learning curve. And then there's going to be some some learning there. And, and I'm not really sure how often he threw to tight ends. <laughs> right. Just didn't see in any. like deep balls and taking <laughs> off running. That's yeah, exactly. Right. Not a lot of dump offs. And then the other thing with it is um, Kittle's coming off a big injury. So you, you kind of want to, you know, not that it would demote him all the way down, but you, you, you give the little knock to, to the Waller, the healthier, younger and he's a and, a and if it's a PPR league and you're getting a full point, good lord, Waller's insane. He gets so many catches. Yeah. So um, now it gets interesting. Yeah, this is where it gets interesting, and this is I, I have a feeling that this is not somebody that you have at this number. But at four for me, I have Dallas Goddard. Um, I have did a, not make my list. Yeah, yeah. I, I have him way up the list, and, and here's the reason. I think that uh, there's not a wide receiver that you can be confident in in Philadelphia. And or, I'm not or quarterback, but but I think that the quarterback is going to look to Goddard a ton, and with Zach Ertz likely out of the fold there, I think that something's going to happen here um, in preseason where Ertz ends up elsewhere. Goddard finally gets to step up and be tight end one uh, for Philadelphia. I think this is an opportunity for him to have a big season. He'll be you know obviously one of my big sleepers in in our fantasy draft selections. Ah. And uh, unfortunately, too many of the guys that I play fantasy football would listen to this. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Dallas Goddard at four for me. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I think if Ertz was already gone, maybe he could sneak into the back ten here. But I, I still, with with that offense and it, the fact that they struggle so much last year, they're bringing it back. I, they're bringing, they look to the tight ends. They're so bringing a much. new offensive coordinator, new stuff. Like I, mm-hmm. I, it's tough to. Can put him all the way up at four. I just me. think Goddard has so much skill. I think he's he's yeah, he's, he's, he's right th- he's right there with all of the top guys in his skill set. At four, I have Mark Andrews. Um, this is a guy who is tailor made for that offense. Big plays I have for both. At five, by the way. Oh, there we go. Um, you know, he's going to he's his consistency in that position is very nice. Um, if you miss out on the top three and you can sneak your way into Mark Andrews a couple rounds later, you're doing all right. Um, you just gave Mark Andrews five. I'll go in five. I have your boy, Mike Kosicki. I think if he continues t- to his uptick, I mean, he could definitely be in the top three this season. Yeah, I have um, Mike Kosicki at six. Oh, <laughs> um, but, I, I mean, his athleticism is crazy. Um, great red zone target for them as well. Uh, then I have TJ Hawkinson at six. Uh, one thing we know about Jared Goff, he chucks it to the tight ends a lot. 
Um, Campbell's going to want to run the ball, be a bit of a bully, and I think all of that leads to some play action passes to TJ. Um, so I have TJ Robinson. Yes, that's, that's the only reason that he's not in that yeah. area on my list. He's a little bit further down. Um, I, I really like his talent. I think that he's yeah, a stud. I, I think that if he can, he's my the concentration sleeper, drops. Oh, that, brutal last yeah, year. Awful. Um, number seven for me is Kyle Pitts. He's also my number seven. Yeah, I, I think that this is the right spot for him, right? It, it, you you know there's huge upside. I, I will rank him here, but I don't think I would draft him here, if that makes any sense. I know. I understand. I'm scared. I understand. And, you know, rightfully so, because you don't know how much the learning curve is going to be at the next level. Um, Mike Kosicki had similar, like, there was a lot of excitement around him coming yeah. out as well. Not to the level of Kyle Pitts. Obviously, but, yeah. yeah. Um, it takes time for these guys to learn. Hawkinson, he yeah. needed time to learn. Andrews, every, all these guys, they, there's the, a learning curve. The one thing I would give Kyle Pitts is he has the shortcut of being able to split out more often yep. right away. And I, I think you'll see that, especially with Julio gone. You'll see, you may see him split out more often than expected. Yeah. All right, number eight for me is Noah Fant. God dang it. I have Noah Fant as eight as well. Nice. Uh, I think if uh, Noah Fant had a quarterback that was better, I would have Noah Fant in the top five. He's so good. He is extraordinarily talented. But he disappears for weeks at a time in Denver because that whole offense just disappears. Right, right. but when he's on, he is on. Yeah. Uh, number nine is where I had TJ Hawkinson. Um, we talked about this already. He's talented as all hell. Uh, whether or not he catches the ball is another story. Um, who do you have at nine? Tom? Nine, I have Rob Gronkowski. I think as the season wore on, and including the Super Bowl, you saw them getting the ball to Gronk more, especially in the red zone. I would expect that to continue this season, a full off season for prep, a full preseason to get ready and in game shape, which he admitted that he was not ready when he started. Yeah. Um, obviously, Brady loves him, trusts him. All those weapons on the outside lead the open middle. And so if you can get Gronk, again, at the ninth tight end, we're, we're talking seventh to ninth round somewhere in right. there good it's a good get and uh, my guy at number 10 uh, gerald everett all right i like gerald everett going to seattle i think he's going to be the primary tight end option there they haven't had a guy who's uh you know since jimmy graham uh and jimmy graham was like in his he's on his way out twilight years prior yeah. to that um, I really think Gerald Everett can take a huge step forward in his receiving statistics. Uh, I'm a big fan of his skill set. I think that he's a, a multifaceted tight end. And in that offense, I think he, he is going to get a ton of opportunity because they tend to get away from running the ball from time to time, and they get in these shootouts, and I think Everett's going to have the best season of his career. Um, and that's why I like him at 10. Gerald Everett is a guy I draft in at least one league every year, and I'm always like, this guy's got the talent. He, yeah. I can get him late, and he could be a top three, and he never does. And every year I'm yeah. like, God dang it, why do I keep drafting him? And I'll yeah. probably do it again this year. Uh, Ten, I have Hunter Henry. Um, I just think all the talent in the world's there. I think we got a good fit for him. I think we're going to see some more balls. I mean, when he plays, he's very good and competitive with the better tight ends. Can he play 17 games will be the big thing for him. Right. If he does, he's got every opportunity. To, yes. to perform well so all right we're going to take a quick break now and uh, we'll be back we're going to talk about the american athletic conference and the nfc north yeah. i'll be right back welcome back it's time for a little uh ncaa conference preview and tonight we have the american athletic conference 
which is a very interesting conference right now, right, Tom? Yeah, absolutely. You have some teams last last couple of years who have um, put up some big win totals and gotten themselves in the conversations for the FBS playoffs and just, just kind of missed out. Um, you can see with some of the scheduling, um, they're trying to take a swing at making sure that doesn't happen. Yeah, uh, no doubt. So let's uh, run down the – do you have the conference results from last season, Tom? I do believe. Hold on one moment. Yes, I do. So last season, what do, what do we have for conference results? So you had Cincinnati was nine and one, six and zero in conference. Tulsa six and three, but six and zero in conference. UCF six and four. Memphis was eight and three. SMU seven and three, and then Houston three and five. Navy three and seven. East Carolina three and six. Tulane uh, six and six, but. Th- you know, finished three and five in in the conference itself. Temple one and six. USF one and eight. All right. And then the title game, Cincinnati and Tulsa had a very competitive game. Cincinnati twenty seven over Tulsa twenty four. Okay, so we had eleven teams last year, and the one that stood out was Cincinnati, right? Yes. And let's let's save it. Let's let's start at the bottom here. And uh, talk about the Temple Owls to kick off this uh, this episode. Um, so Temple last year they had a lot of COVID nineteen issues, right? Um, they had had a lot of success prior to last season, and you know now they they've kind of fallen off a bit here in the last few years. Uh, what do you see about Temple this season, Tom? Uh, one of the interesting things about them is, is the amount of starters they have returning to the offense. Eight starters, but there seems to be some unsettled business at uh, quarterback. Um, I have Phil Steele has uh, Dwan Mathis as the oh yeah incoming yeah. starter. He's a he's a Georgia transfer. Yes, so you know they had a bunch of guys play quarterback. You had said that they had a ton of COVID issues. They only played seven games. And they weren't even allowed to practice until, like, October. Yeah. Uh, they just had so many issues, the whole getting going, um, which led to their pretty bad. The, they were 1-6. The one win was against uh, USF. Uh, but they had uh, they lost to Navy by two. Then uh, the rest of them, they kind of got blown out. Yeah. So, you know, Anthony Russo was the starting quarterback. and He wasn't bad. Um, he transferred to Michigan State. Uh, which, you know, obviously left a big hole there. Um, you know, they're looking at their schedule this year. They start at Rutgers, um, then they play at Akron, um, then they play Boston College. So it's not the easiest start to the season for a Temple team that's that's projected to be a bit down. No, and then with the, the in-conference, they get all the, the heavyweights. They play Cincinnati, they play UCF, they play Houston. Yeah. So, you know, they're not in Navy. They're not missing anyone. Right. And you know, last year they were they were not great on defense. No, defense was the big problem. They they lost thirty one twenty nine to Navy. Uh, they gave up thirty seven points to USF, even though they won that game. Gave up forty one to Memphis, thirty eight to Tulane, forty seven to SMU, thirty eight to UCF, and then lost twenty eight to three to East Carolina. So rough season, and I don't expect a big jump from this Temple team because I just don't see enough stepping forward. Um, to to really, you know, make them jump this year. Uh, Riel Mitchell is, is another option at quarterback. 
and uh, he was a, a highly recruited guy that uh, went to Iowa State first and transferred here, here. So that's a good battle, I think, between Mathis and Mitchell here to, to win that starting job. Not a lot returning on defense either, right, Tom? No. Only five starters, right? Yeah, five starters, and again, the defense was the big problem. They were allowing 480 yards a game. All right. Woof. Where do we want to go next, Tom? Let's keep it down there. Let's the USF Bowls. USF. All right. So when we when we take a look at USF, you know, this is a team that's coached by Jeff Scott. Uh, a lot of people love what Jeff Scott could potentially bring down the road. Yes. Offensive coordinator, Charlie Weiss Jr. Uh, Charlie Weiss, a, a name that's uh, very well known as a Patriots assistant, Notre Dame head coach. There we go. Um, he's, he certainly <laughs> had uh, – some nice, uh, some nice stints in his career. So, um, his son now is uh, getting an opportunity to be an offensive coordinator. This uh, this USF team returns a, a lot on defense. A lot on both sides, really. Yeah. Um, starting quarterback is going to be a little bit different, though, right? They they don't have a returning starting quarterback. Correct. And they had instability there last year. Um, Kate Fortin was a North Carolina transfer, but he only played two games because of a shoulder injury. Um, Jaron Williams, uh, he's another option uh, that, that could play quarterback. Uh, they have, let's see, on the depth chart, uh, Will Jones. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, they have uh, Cade Fortin, Jaron Williams. Those are the two options, really. Yeah, it'll be interesting, too. And this t- team, again, 1-8 last year, 0-7 in conference. Their only win, the Citadel. Yeah, so, not good. No, not a, not a very good season. They have <coughs> another tough schedule. They start at NC State. Then they have the Gators at home. Um, they have to go to BYU, to SMU, uh, Cincinnati, UCF, uh, and Houston, again, all on the schedule for these guys. Yeah, I, I think there will be a slight step forward from this program in general. Correct. But I don't know that it will be enough to win a lot of games. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't know if it will result in a lot of wins, um, but this should be more competitive. Yeah. No question. It's tough. I mean, anytime you're looking at this stuff and you see a guy, a head coach, going into their second year, and their first year was last season, you got to give them a Pasadena, right? Like, yeah. last year is the worst year to be taking over a team with everything that happened, no spring practices for most of these teams, uh, just kind of a mess. Yeah. Let's uh, let's go to East Carolina. Uh, returning a ton of production, and one of my favorite quarterbacks in college football, Holton Aylers. So I'm excited to see what Mike Houston's team can do this year. I think that we could see a jump from this East Carolina team, just not to the top. Sure. They, they, they'll jump to the middle of the conference yeah, somewhere. Yeah, the, the top of the middle. Like, they'll, you know, there's a, like three teams that are really the uh, toast of the town in this conference because I couldn't think of anything better to say. Yeah. And, uh, you know, these guys will be trying to compete for that four or five spot here. Yeah. Uh, Ehlers is a fun quarterback, left handed. He can run, he throws it well. Um, he had 18 touchdown passes last year, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I think that he can take another step forward here. And they had, um, you know, all ACC running back Rajay Harris last year too. Uh, so there, there's some good stuff coming back. And they won uh, a couple of games to end the season last year, uh, beating Temple and SMU. Uh, their losses at Cincinnati to Tulane at Tulsa. Uh, to Navy by four. They beat USF. 
Um, they lost to Georgia State, who was a pretty good team, and they lost to UCF. So I, I think that they can play better this year yeah. against the, the top competition and close that gap a little bit. But I'm not sure that they can get towards the top of the conference. Yeah, so they have um, – Phil Steele has them 10 players returning on offense, 10 starters on defense, and has them actually on their most his most improved list, which – if you don't follow Phil, he is really good with his most improved list. Um, yeah. And, again, it's not just a strictly wins-losses. It's uh, against the spread. So uh, he expects them to cover more often than not here as, as this new season starts. Their schedule is a lot easier than last year's schedule. You know, they, they had some rough stretches. Um, so it should be interesting to see what they can do and build on for last year. And this is a team who um, is really building for 2022. This is a team that's – got a lot of players who are juniors now right. who've had a, a lot of experience as sophomores going to get a lot of ex, uh, more experience this season and really build towards that that fourth year for mike houston yeah absolutely um and now let's move to navy right we'll go yeah. we'll go to uh, the midshipmen and they had a rough season last year obviously only three wins um one of which at Tulane, um, they beat temple and they beat ecu losing both air to air force and army by the way right but playing competitively against Memphis, competitively, you know, they lost 15 nothing against Army. Um, yeah, it was a weird game. Yeah. Um, Air Force gave them a beatdown. The, the biggest issue for them uh, early in the season, you know, they, they ended up with a month-long layoff uh, after the SMU loss, October 31st. They didn't play again until November 28th. And then they lost 10-7 to to Memphis, 19-6 to against Tulsa, and 15 to nothing against Army. They produced 13 total points in the last three games, but their yes. defense really tightened it up. They didn't give up more than 20 points to any of those three teams. The thing is, are they going to eventually find that replacement for Malcolm Perry from two years ago? That offense was insane with Malcolm Perry there, and they think that our line now with a full off season, he was a freshman that took over at quarterback last year. Yeah, they think that he'll have a better grasp of the of the triple option offense that they run, and uh, you know I can see some improvement coming here. Um, returning a bunch, um, Diego Fago on defense. He's he's an absolute stud linebacker. Um, so that's somebody that you should be excited to watch when you when you tune into Navy games. Just just go ahead and look for number fifty four because he makes plays on defense constantly. Yeah, this is one of the teams that the offense is going to be behind the defense. The defense, like you had said, has had really come into its own towards the end of the season without the preseason to get ready with a lot of young guys. But now they're returning nine starters. Uh, to a defense that, like you had said, had really limited Memphis, Tulsa, and then Army. Uh, it was really looking to have found their stride. They're coming back, the, almost that whole group back together. So it should be interesting to see. Um, Jamal Carruthers, by the way, their fullback is really good. He had, a, he had a little bit of a struggle last year because they didn't have to worry about the quarterback keeping it. Sure. Um, they didn't have a whole lot going on with the quarterback piece of the triple option. But Carruthers is really good. He is a tank <laughs> and uh, will be really fun to watch. So um, where do you want to go now? Do we want to go down to New Orleans and talk yeah. about Tulane? The green wave. All right. Let's talk about some fun football to watch, guys. Yeah, and uh, their head coach, Willie Fritz, is a very highly respected guy. Uh, Willie Fritz is known as someone who can perform very well against the triple option. So keep that in mind when uh, yeah. when getting ready to wager on games this year. Uh Let's see. On they play Navy. They, do, they don't they play, do Navy. play Navy. But I'll tell you what. The week one against Oklahoma. Yeah. Bet, bet the over. Yeah. There's gonna be some points scored in that game. 
Yeah. Week one against Oklahoma in in Tulane, by the way. Yeah. They scored 66 against Southern Miss, although Southern Miss was a complete train wreck with their coaching situation last year. The um, fewest points they scored last year was 24. Yeah. They lit it up. And with, that was against Tulsa's defense, which was very good last season. And that was with a true freshman quarterback, Michael Pratt, who's returning. Um, look at his numbers from last year. 1,800 yards passing, 20 touchdowns, only eight picks in the 12 games. Uh, you imagine uh, a year of being in the system, a year of, of practices, you would expect better um, and a little bit of a improvement from him. And this offense is bringing back 10 of the 11 starters. Just loaded last year. I can't wait to see what they do this year. Absolutely. So next, uh, what would you say, Tom, a big game this year for them? What would be a fun game to watch? Well, I think when uh, October 2nd at East Carolina, I think that's going to be a battle for these two teams. Shootout, maybe. Yeah, and, and they're, they're both at the same spot, right? One of them is going to win that game and have a leg up at getting to that you know, fourth or th- you know, maybe even the third spot in the conference, which usually would be a nice bowl game for them. So um, if they can win that one, they do have a, a little bit of an easier schedule than the last couple of seasons, even though they start at Oklahoma and they have at Mississippi. Right. Um, they miss some of the other, other teams that you want to avoid. You want to go for a walk? Two. Memphis. Walking in Memphis, <laughs> yeah. I got I got there. That a boy. <laughs> <laughs> Head coach Ryan Silverfield uh, in his second season. Um, he's going to, you know, they, they had a okay year last they year. They were good last year. And, uh, you know, they, they lost by three to SMU. They got run by Cincinnati. That There's no shame in that. No, and Cincinnati then they lost to Tulane, good. right? So, yep. Not a not a bad season at all out yep. of this group. All three were on the road. Yeah, and uh, they're going to return a, a good amount of production uh, on the offensive side, and they get transfer quarterback Grant Gannell. If you like uh, Pac-12 after dark, you know Grant Gannell because he played for Arizona, and uh, he he's a very solid quarterback. I think this is an upgrade at the quarterback position. Maybe not even an upgrade. I, I guess I don't really want to say that so much as it, you're not going to lose a lot uh, at the quarterback position. Yeah, so, you're, you're you know, not Brady, going... Brady White did a really nice job. Grant Cannell, I think, has more talent than Brady White. So, you know, the big thing is, can they replace Kenneth Gainwell? He was he was an All-American running back. He, he was fantastic. But they keep pumping out really good running backs here. Yes. Uh, this is a team that, again... With only those three losses, they're running back the, a lot of the same people. Um, they're going from a very good, experienced quarterback to a guy who at least has experience. A lot of times you see them go to uh, a college team, go to somebody with none. Right. Um, they don't have to make that switch. They have someone who's big, can throw the ball. And they have a, another one that has a good schedule. You know, They don't have to play Cincinnati this year in conference. They're, they're playing Nichols at Arkansas State, which they beat last year. They should start off 2-0. and Arkansas State's going through a transition with Blake Anderson yep. moving on, and um, they should jump out to a 2-0. And, and Mississippi State is really down this year or yeah, expected to be down. It, it would be huge for them to jump out of the gate and get that upset against Mississippi State in Week 3. If they do that, they might go on a run, too, because then you have UTSA at Temple at Tulsa. You know, it's it's very possible. Navy, you know, all, all games that they could they – could, Feasibly, they could start six and one or seven and zero. Yeah, and this is one of those teams that I think has a chance to win this conference. Uh, finished tie for third last year, um, and again, having not having to play Cincinnati in the regular season 
is going to be beneficial for them. They do have to play Houston, um, but they get a little bit of a break. Yeah. Let's talk about Tulsa. Let's go to uh, Tornado Alley. Well, I'm in. And, uh, you know, this is a team that had a very nice season last year, and it's all based around how great that defense has been. Um, and the defense, guess what? They returned 10 starters to this defense, only losing their absolute stud linebacker in Zayvon Collins. But Yeah, he uh, might have been a difference maker. <laughs> he, he was without a doubt a difference maker, but you're returning so much production on that defense. Um, the question is, at quarterback, what are they going to end up doing here? Yes. Um, you know, it looks like uh, looks like Bryn is going to take the job there. And, um, you know, Phil Montgomery, he struggled early in his, in his tenure here, but a lot of people were high on him as a head coach. And I'm excited to see what they can do. This is a team that I think has a great chance to compete for this, uh, this conference if they can get solid quarterback play. Um, you know, he, he had a, a great fourth quarter. Davis Brent had a great fourth quarter comeback against Tulane last year. And uh, it could be a little more exciting and, and a little bit more uh, wide open style offense moving forward. This is a team with a very tough schedule at Oklahoma State, at Ohio State. They do play. They play Houston. They play Memphis. They have to go to Cincinnati. Um, so this team may end up at the end of the year being better than their their uh, record reflects just because the schedule's dang tough. But let's talk about their record last year. Yeah. They lose at Oklahoma State week one. Correct. 16-7. to seven. Right. Yes. They lose at Cincinnati in the second to last game of the season. It was their last regular season. It was the title. Game. It was the title game. Um. Yeah. Yep. Twenty-seven, twenty-four. They're right there. And then they lose by two to Mississippi State in a bowl game. So this is not a team that's far off from being undefeated last year. Correct. And they're returning almost everything. So I I, I really like what Tulsa brings to the table this year yeah a lot of it's going to come down to the quarterback and what what he can bring to the table for the whole season yeah how about smu tom a lot of fun sunny dykes man he's done a great job at smu and uh you know they transfer in a very highly recruited quarterback to take the take the helm there uh with the departure of shane bouchelle so now they have tanner mordecai coming in from oklahoma he was a, a four-star recruit, and uh, he performed extraordinarily well in his limited opportunities uh, with Oklahoma. He was like 50 for 70 passing with Oklahoma, four touchdowns and one pick. So this is a guy that can absolutely play the quarterback position, and when you bring him down to the AAC level as opposed to playing against Big 12 opponents, this is a, this is a guy that he could, he could really be a breakout star. And this is a team that um, has a lot of weapons, uh, Phil Steele has them as his number 16th wide receiver unit in the nation. Reggie Roberson is a stud. He might be one of my favorite draft prospects this year. Um, he, he is absolutely incredible wide receiver for, for uh, SMU. Yeah, and they go deep at that position. They bring back Rasheed Rice and Danny Gray as well. All three of those guys, uh, five touchdowns, five touchdowns, four touchdowns. Um, you know, the averaging 13, 14, and 21 yards for Roberson, a, a catch. So um, they, definitely some plays to be made. They also transfer in Grant Calcaterra from uh, Oklahoma, another stud tight end. Um, so that, that, I mean, this is a, a loaded team right now. Yes. And uh, my pick to finish second in the American Athletic Conference this year. 
Yeah, last year, I mean, they lost to Cincinnati and then at Tulsa and at East Carolina at the end of the season, but all three of those teams we've already kind of talked about. So, How about the Cougs? The Cougs. Houston. Another uh, team that had a rough uh, COVID-riddled season. Yeah, and Dana Holgerson, um, you know, this is going to be his third season. He hasn't gotten off to the start that you would have hoped. He had a lot of kids transfer out his first year, opt out for the season. Yeah. Um, Derek King included in that group. Um, now he's got Clayton Toon returning, who is uh, – he had he did some nice things, okay? Um, a lot of people like what they're going to do this year. I think that they're going to kind of be status quo. I think they're going to be like a, a 500 or just above type of team here. Right. I don't see the big leap that a lot of other people are projecting with Houston. Um, but, you know – it's all about how you do you feel like Holger, do you trust Holgerson that much? They had a ton of COVID 19 issues last year. So um, they had eight cancellations because of COVID 19 last year. Yeah. And Rough. that makes it really hard, right? Um, but Clayton Toon turned the ball over too much. He threw two, 10 interceptions in his eight game season. Yeah. Um, that's, it's too much. And their they're out of conference schedule is a lot easier than um, what they had last year. They played BYU and short notice last year. Um, this year they get uh, a tough one to start, Texas Tech, but then you have Rice, you have Grambling. Um, those are definitely winnable games for these, and they play um, Connecticut at the end of the year. Yeah, there's certainly games that they're going to win um, along the way, but I just don't see them competing in this conference. Um, I think they're going to be a middle-of-the-pack type of team. Uh, UCF? Yeah. All right. My boy Gus Malzahn uh, yeah. leaves leaves Auburn and lands on his feet at UCF and gets his best quarterback that he's probably <laughs> had uh, his uh, numbers in, in Dylan Gabriel. Here's the thing. Is his scheme going to limit Gabriel's effectiveness? That's the question because there's a lot of people that think that quarterbacks are hindered by Gus Malzahn's scheme. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those, those teams that I think has the chance to make some noise for an FBS. And I think you can find out right away, September 2nd, the Thursday of the first week, Boise State at home. Yeah. Um, you get that win, you make some noise, right? You, you start talking about, um, okay, and then you have Bethune-Cookman, two and, you're, you know, maybe you're 2-0, and oh, and then at Louisville, you win that game. You're off and running, then you just yeah. have conference opponents left. October 16th at Cincinnati um, is going to be the the – telltale of how good this sure. team really is um it'll be it'll be fun to to watch uh that game i think that they're returning a lot of production but the change yes. in staff uh the change in philosophy on offense should help the defense though the defense yeah <laughs> should help the defense no doubt so about it so. that, that defense needed help because yes. they gave up a ton last year so but they did transfer in big cat bryant from auburn who was an absolute monster yeah, he's a big dude and uh he can play the game so that will definitely help their defense. Um, he, he did great work in the transfer portal, bringing guys in that fit kind of what he wants to do. So I expect there will be a, a jump on the defensive side of the ball. That's what will keep them in contention in this conference. They're averaged for allowing 492 yards a game on defense last year. If you can even bring that down 70 to, you know, hopefully yeah. 100 yards, you're, you're talking about winning games by 10 instead of some of these closer games. And let's talk about my choice to win the conference, and I think probably yeah. most people's choice to win the conference. Luke Fickle is an incredible coach. He's turned this program around. 
they were they were very dominant in Cincinnati. Uh, their close games against UCF and Tulsa, and then a three point loss to Georgia in the Peach Bowl. Very good game again. Yeah, and they they jumped out to a lead there. They're they're incredible defensively, and uh, returning plenty of production. Uh, Kobe Bryant at cornerback. Um, you know they they have a ton of great players on this team. Uh, Desmond Ritter had a great season at quarterback. They think that you know the running back position will be an easy replacement. They'll they'll be able to fill that role of Jared Dokes pretty easily. Uh, I think that this is a team that's going to continue to be very very difficult to deal with. Josh Wiley is one of the top tight ends in the country. Uh, this is a, a this is a tough team and and one more good season like that and Luke Fickle's going to land the job. Uh, that he wants he'll 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 be the hottest prospect on the market and this is a year where their schedule sets up where they might be able to make that fbs noise right um back-to-back games for them there's a bye week in between but at indiana who were very good last year in the big 10 and then at notre dame uh, if you can win those two games and, and run your schedule and finish undefeated with those with a big 10 victory and a, you know ACC with quotations victory, right? Uh, you know it's going to make it hard for people to keep them out of the the playoff there. Right. All right. So that will wrap our American Athletic Conference preview. Um, the final thing on our docket tonight is talking about the NFC North. Uh, let's jump right in, Tom. Uh, the Detroit Lions. What do you think? Uh, not this year. Yeah. <laughs> um. So the, the interesting thing with the Detroit Lions is the amount of changes this team's going to have this year. New head coach, new offense coordinator, new defense coordinator, quarterback. Um, there's too many moving parts to really think that they're going to make noise in this division. Right. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what comes from that. We were just talking about TJ Hawkinson and the tight ends and how your expectations are this team is going to go from maybe one of the softer teams in the NFL, if that's yeah okay to say. Uh, to a team that's going to pride itself on physicality, um, just taking after their head coach, right? So you're going to see a team that runs the ball a lot more, that has DeAndre Swift in the backfield, who's a lot of fun. You're going to see them. Jamal Williams was a nice add, too. Yeah. And, um, you know, this team is going to try to play towards golf strings with play-action passes, um, some of those crossers that he can get the rid of the ball fast. Goff's not a terrible quarterback, obviously. He's got the Rams to the playoffs a couple times. It, but you have to play to his strengths. You know, you don't want to sit back there on a seven-step drop and let him try to uncork deep balls. You, you want him to take quick sets, get rid of the ball, be accurate, give your guys chances to run and make plays. And I think they're, they're trying to set that up to do that. And it makes all the sense in the world. And, and what I'm looking forward to most on that offensive side of the ball is to see the progression of DeAndre Swift. Yes. He was so talented in college. And to see him get the opportunity in an offense that's going to be geared towards running the ball in a little more smash-mouth style, I, I'm very excited to see that. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, what I'm most looking forward to is seeing the development of Jeffrey Okuda. Yeah. This is a guy He's that, a little disappointing last year. Very disappointing rookie season, but sometimes it spot. takes a minute. Yeah, tough. yeah, It's one of the tougher positions to – to move up to right yeah corner in the nfl is a lot different than corner in uh the big 10 right no question about it and i think that it takes time to to really take that next step um at the at the cornerback position when you when you uh jump in the nfl a lot of guys struggle sure uh, right out of the gate so i think that uh it'll be very interesting to see how 
he develops this year as a, as a corner. A lot of people are labeling him a bust already, and I, I think that's terrible. Yeah, uh, he was do that, yeah. I was so confident in that guy coming out of college that it, it shocked me to have him have a difficult season in year one. But uh, I think that he may step forward now. Chicago, Chicago, Chicago. The big news. The big. What do you mean the big news? The, Justin Fields. Yeah, Justin. No, no. Justin Fields, Andy Dalton, the quarterback change. The, the quarterback fun that's gonna be in Chicago. Um, yeah, who gets the start? Uh, I think. You know, uh, you would imagine Andy Dalton gets the nod to begin the season. Because here's the thing. It's easy to go from Andy Dalton to Justin Fields. It's tough to go from Justin Fields back to Andy Dalton. You can't do it. I mean, you can do it, but it creates nothing but problems in the fan base, in the media, in in every other angle. So um, the thing is, when you look at the rest of the roster, I like Allen Robinson. I like David Montgomery. I think he has an opportunity to take a step forward. Tariq Cohen's a really nice change of pace in that backfield. Anthony Miller, people are down on him, but he's not that bad. You know, Darnell no. Mooney is, is pretty good. Marquise Goodwin uh, is a stretch-the-field option. He's got some wheels. Cole Komet is ready to break out as the number one tight end there. Jimmy Graham as well there. Right. And then they drafted Tevin Jenkins. Um, Cody Whitehair is one of the top centers in the NFL. And, and then the defense. And Yeah, the defense is where they've made their hay for a long time. Khalil Mack. Danny Trevath and Roquan Smith, Robert Quinn. Uh, you got Desmond Trufant at corner now there. Uh, Jalen Johnson. Um, th- this is a very, very sound defense. And uh, if they get great quarterback play, it could be a very good team. And, and they could surprise people throughout the course of the season. I don't expect necessarily Justin Fields to get the job right away. Right. But should he get the job? And perform very well, like a Justin Herbert. You could see that type of season nine, seven, well, I guess it would be ten and seven, eleven <laughs> and six type of season, right? Correct. What do you? If you had one thing that you're looking forward to most, what is it about the Bears team this year? I, I, I don't know. I don't trust Matt Nagy. I think that's the first thing here. Um, I'm surprised that they're running it back with him um, to break in another quarterback in Justin Fields. So we'll see how that goes. But I think the quarterback's the thing that's interesting is getting Justin Fields on the field. We've seen Andy Dalton. He can manage uh, to win you some games and can keep you in some, but you're not going anywhere, Um, especially with the two teams we're about to talk about in the same division. You're not not beating those two teams with Andy Dalton. Yeah. Um, So... Give me, give me Justin Fields as soon as I can. I want to see it. Yeah, me too. Uh, Minnesota Vikings. And uh, this is a team that they performed pretty well last year. Um, they, they got on to a, a little bit of a run. Um, you knew that it was going to be a, a bit of a turnover there. Stephon Diggs leaving, a bunch of stuff on the defensive side of the ball um, changing. But now Kirk Cousins, to me, doesn't get the respect that he deserves yeah. as a quarterback. Uh, he does a really fine job as an NFL yeah, quarterback. He's not as flashy as a lot of the stars in the league, but he puts the ball where it needs to be. Yeah. Dalvin Cook, one of the top running backs in the NFL. Uh, Adam Thielen and breakout star Justin Jefferson at the wide receiver position. I, As you guys know, I've been hugely high on Justin Jefferson all along. I think he continues to get better. Um, Chad Beebe even had some <laughs> moments, right? Yeah. 
Um, Irv Smith is a very good tight end. And then they added Christian Derrissaw to play left tackle. The, the O-line was a problem last year yeah. at the time, so they, they go and address it. It's what's, yeah. you know, it's the beauty of the draft. They had a guy there that could help them right away, and they got him. And this defense isn't what it was a couple of years ago, but it's still a solid defensive unit, especially in the secondary. Yeah. So you've got Cameron Dantzler, Harrison Smith, Xavier Woods, and Patrick Peterson, and that doesn't even count Jeff Gladney. Jeff Gladney, yeah. So you have a really solid group of five players there in that secondary. I, I love that secondary And group. Anthony Barr and Eric Hendricks are, are, are Kendricks are very good veteran linebackers. You can do, count on them. And Daniel, Daniel Hunter, Hunter, yeah. Oh, man. He, he can he play. gets after it at the defensive end spot. So, yeah. again, uh, this team is very good. Um, a couple other interesting draft picks on the defense side. Patrick Jones, um, who's a lot of fun in college. Um, got picked up so it'll be interesting to see what this kind of looks like for them I think the offense should is expected to be uh, run the ball take deep shots and capitalize on those and they should do that very well and the defense plays that little bit of that bend but don't break you're gonna have to take underneath stuff because our safeties and corners are too dang good to challenge Um, and that's why they're in so many games yeah when you look at the Green Bay Packers roster there is very little turnover, right? Yeah. Everything is pretty much the same. They added Amari Rogers as a potential option in, in the wide receiver room. Yeah, I love um, him coming out of the slot right away for them. A.J. Dillon can easily step right into the role that was filled by Jamal Williams previously. Little and then pop. They, yep, and then they drafted Kylan Hill um, to fill the third running back role. Um, you know, St. Brown had moments. They added Devin Funchess. Um, who will be part of that wide receiver room. Robert Tunyon uh, had, a, had a potentially breakout season. A lot of people have him as a top 10 tight end moving forward. And the big question mark, what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers? And, yes. and we can't answer that. And there's no real good way to, to try and predict it right now. Yeah. This team this, this team is uh, it's a tale of two seasons, with Aaron and without Aaron. If Aaron Rodgers is there, um, you're going to be competing for our division title, you're, you're going to be the favorites to win the division. You're, you're going to be competing for, for the NFC. Yes, you're going to be competing for the NFC Championship. Without him, you're breaking in a young quarterback in Jordan Love and see what you got. Right. That's a big difference. It's, it's a huge swing from, hey, are we going to the Super Bowl to, hey, how Jordan Love look last night? <laughs> um, so it's a big difference. And, you know, we might not know until training camp is a week or two into it. Yeah. Uh, these things, you know, it's weird. Aaron Rodgers isn't really complaining about his contract. He really isn't complaining about anything else. It seems to just be he's fed up with some of the BS from what he perceives the front office as slights of him. Yeah. Not communicating. Uh, you know, he's not mad they brought Jordan Love in. He's mad that they didn't have a conversation with him about it. Yeah. Um, so it's a very interesting thing. My gut tells me he plays. Right. I think he has unfinished business in the NFL, and I think he knows that, you know, there's the trade rumors right there. He goes to Denver. Does he have a chance to win a Super Bowl with Denver? No. Absolutely not. He, he, good luck even getting to the playoffs in that division. What with if Denver. he goes to Miami? Same, I, I think the same thing. You're, you're on a team that hasn't made the playoffs in the last couple of years, that has more weapons, but you still, where are you going? Yeah. Listen, you're a Dolphins fan. You don't, yeah. Your opinion on that doesn't count. Yeah. It was a good defense last year. Sure. Added a couple good weapons on offense. Yeah. If he went to Miami, I don't know. It's a conversation for another day. 
I mean, they might be the third best team in the division still. You're out of your mind. Right now, they're the third best team in the division. If you're Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, you definitely leap the Pats. Huh? Why are they? Why are they the third best team in the division? Because the Pats are going to be dang good. Why? Because that defense is coming back. So you think Miami is the third four, best team in the division now? Yeah, they're bringing four of those starters back onto that defense that set out for COVID. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be nasty again. They terrify me at night. The Dolphins won 10 games last year. Sure. With a rookie quarterback for nine of those games that they played. And Fitzpatrick bailing them out of all of them. That's not true. Look it up. Not all of them. Check, a check a the, couple of check them. Check the Rams game. The Rams. Come on. Laid them out. Beat some other good. Beat some other good teams too, along the way. <clears throat> but I just don't think the Patriots are better than the Dolphins. But that's that's better saved for our AFC East preview <laughs> in a couple of weeks. Uh, that's going to be it for tonight's podcast, though. Let's talk about uh, what we have coming next week, Tom. Oh, next week we have uh, fantasy defense. Fun to talk about because it's so random. Yeah. Um, then we have the 3M championship preview for golf. A little Pac-12 preview. Going to the to the uh, the left coast. Power, power five conferences. <laughs> yes. Making our leap. And then we're going to have the NFC South, a very fun conference to talk about. I'm excited. I can't wait. We've got – I can't wait to get into Power 5 conference discussions. That's the big thing for me. Yeah, it's it gets more fun as we go. It's kind of why we set it up this way. Um, it should be interesting to see. Be prepared for our random picks throughout the week coming up here. Uh, we'll be making videos again. Hammered Sports Podcast on Facebook, at Hammered underscore Sports on Twitter, Hammered Sports Podcast on Instagram. And uh, we'll continue to give picks. We had a pretty successful week. I was uh, 2-0 and in uh, in our video selections. 1-1 one and one for me. So if you're, yeah, three you're and tailing us, you're doing all right. Yeah, you're 3-1 and one thus far. So um, off to a good start. And uh, we're going to keep those wins rolling. Um, we'll catch you guys all next week.